it's fun to me every week when we get to sing a different psalm and we put the words of the song or the psalm to music. But I don't know if you were reading those words as you were singing them. And it, that's a weird song. That's just a weird song. And that there was part of me that was sitting there listening and, and, and reading the, the lyrics as we're singing them and going, man, I was really liking this psalm. And that just is weird to sing. And it reminded me that there's lots of different types of music, right? There's lots of different genres of music. And even within each genre of music, there are different types of music within that genre, right? So in country music, you've got like your summer ones that, that's just wind whipping through your hair and long summer nights and that kind of thing. And then you've got the really sad, like bluesy kind of uh, country music that be, is really depressing because of all of the bad things that have happened and we're depressed, right? And the, the same thing is true in, in pop music. The same thing is true in classical music. There's just all these different types of songs. So I was talking with somebody one time and they said, yeah, I don't like classical music. And I said, what? That's not, that's not a thing. You don't like all classical music. But movie scores are classical music. And you walk away going, man, the music in that movie was awesome. So I can't tell you which classical music you like. I can just tell you there is some classical music that you like. Well, psalms are the same way, right? So sometimes people will say, I don't like psalms. Which ones? Which psalms don't you like? There are lots of different types of psalms. The, the, the thing that's similar about them is, is sort of the meter and the, the cadence of them, the parallelism, the poetry aspects of it. But they have all kinds of different themes, and so sometimes I'm standing up here and we're doing psalms and, and we're just like super excited and praising God. And then other times we're like talking about how awful those enemies are and God, would you um, crush them, right? But this one, this is different than both of those. This is a wisdom psalm. It's a wisdom. It's, it's almost like somebody took Proverbs and put that to music and sang about it. Listen to how it starts. He says in, in uh, verse 1, Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. He, he's, he's saying, I, I've been meditating on something and I've been uh, ruminating on it and thinking about it and I, 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 have, I think I've come up with something. And like one of those musicals where suddenly at this random weirdo point in, in the movie they break out into song and you go, that doesn't, not really supposed to be singing now. That's kind of what he does. He has this wisdom that he's been meditating on this, thinking about it. And he says, you know what? I'm going to put this down to music. I'm going to, I'm going to teach you the wisdom that I've been learning by putting it to rhyme and meter. And I am going to uh, play on my lyre so that you can really ingest this music. Because this is a riddle that I've been thinking about. You guys like riddles? 
My family likes riddles. We've, we've been uh, doing lots of riddles so that you've got this farmer and he has a chicken and some grain and a fox on one bank of a river and he has to get to the other bank of the river but all he's got is a canoe where he can take two of the things with him and he can't leave the chicken with the fox and he can't leave the chicken with the grain so he has to somehow get them all across the river and back. And so how do you do that? And so we spend a lot of time thinking about these things. And I'll give you a shortcut answer. Just get a bigger boat, right? Then you can just take them all across, all at the same time. And why does a farmer need a fox? No one knows. But, but the thing about riddles, the thing about riddles is it helps you to think about problem solving. I have a problem. And I need to solve it. And so I'm going to use riddles as a way of practicing my problem solving. So we can make up really strange scenarios that would never happen in real life. But you make it up and you go, okay, now solve this puzzle. How would you get through that? How would you get uh, to the other side if this was the setup? And we get to practice when we have these problems. How are we going to deal with these things? How will we get to the other side? So his problem, right? He says, okay, listen, everybody listen up. Everybody listen up. We have a problem, both low and high, rich and poor together. Everybody listen. I've been thinking about this thing. I've been thinking about this thing. And I have this riddle, this piece of wisdom that I put to music for you. Isn't that interesting? He's put it to music. There are times when we hear fun little summer ditties and we're, we're just enjoying it. They're entertaining songs. But there are other times when music really speaks to you. And we just think that lyricist is like a sage. Just so wise. And it's interesting to me in the church sometimes uh, we'll be singing a song on Sunday mornings and there will be one that just resonates with me. It just hits me right where I'm at. And I go, yeah, that's... That's just like, somebody has been, some, um, some hymn writer has been really meditating and, and thinking about these things and has put to music the answers to my problem. It is well with my soul. No matter what's going on, it is well with my soul. You realize there are people that don't go to church that they hear songs to and they think the same thing. Somebody has finally articulated and put stuff down in a way that it just really speaks to me. And so there will be these weird songs that will rise the charts and I'm going, I don't understand exactly how that one made it up there except that it really connects with some people. So he's taking this riddle and he's putting it to music so that we can hear it. And this is his riddle. Verse 5. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? That's the question. It doesn't make a, a great song lyric. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? It does, that's not like a lively tune I want to dance to. But it is a meditative thing. I'm thinking about this. And I think that the first thing that comes to mind is, I'm not sure that they're really a problem for me. 
Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast in their riches? I, I, does that really happen to me that much? So I started thinking about issues with money, threats to my money or to my lack of money. Those times when I'm looking and going, oh, it would be really nice to have one of those. I saw my neighbor with one of those, and it would be really handy if I had one. And so then we figure out how we're going to get that, because otherwise I'm not sure I'm going to make it through my life without that thing that they have. And so I'm really worried about that. And then I do manage to somehow acquire one. Maybe somebody gifted it to me or I, I saved up my money and I, I did it or I, I pulled out the credit card and I, I, I need that right now and I will pay for it later. And so I get that thing. And now the next worry that I have is how will I take care of this thing that I now have? How will I maintain it and keep it up? so that it continues to operate in the way that it was intended to operate, so that it will be just as helpful to me as it appears to be to my neighbor. And now I have to buy insurance for this thing, just in case something does go wrong with it, and I can't keep it up properly. And then I need to find some sort of security device, right? Because even my kids' bikes get stolen. And so if my kids' bike gets stolen, then certainly this thing that was so great, I needed it when my neighbor had it. Somebody's going to see it when I've got it, and they're going to want it too. And so now I have to secure this thing. And suddenly I think, you know what? Maybe I relate to this psalm. Maybe I relate to this psalm. There might be times when uh, someone has lent me money, And I'm thinking quite a lot about how much money I owe them back. And you're going, oh, I don't borrow money from people. Maybe it's a credit card debt, which is borrowing money from people. We just don't think about it because it's a credit card. Or house payments. We're concerned about identity theft because that seems to be going around. Somebody steals your information, they steal your your social security number and your credit card number or your debit card number or your checking account number or any other kind of number that might be important to you, the one that you write down on a sticky notepad and then you hide it in your sock drawer so that nobody knows. I wouldn't put it actually there, just so you know. Or insurance. How much money do we spend every month on insurance so that the stuff that we have remains the stuff that we have? And security systems? Not to mention the needing to go to work so that we can make the money, so that we can have the money that we need to get by and also maybe put some aside so that later when we're not able to work anymore or we don't feel like working anymore, we'll still be able to survive. And then you've taken that extra money and you've invested it somewhere and now we're concerned about the ups and downs of markets. And what I find is that when at first glance I didn't relate to this psalm at all, probably at some level, 
whether in wanting to protect some assets or wealth that we have or wishing that we had wealth, there is some level in there that everybody connects to this psalm. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast in the abundance of their riches? What are we going to do about this? What's the psalmist's solution to this? And as he's thinking about all of these money things, and he's thinking particularly, I think, about owing money to someone else, and what are going to be the consequences of this, that they're holding it over him maybe, or they're extorting him, they're they're taking advantage of him, they're they're, um, pressing him. And he says, you know, Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never survive, uh, can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. There's hope for you. Well, I suppose even if I'm in debt, even if things get really, really bad, no one could ever uh, ransom that, pay it all back, that would keep me out of the grave. Because we're all going to die. If you have a lot of money, if you have a little bit of money, if you're in deep debt, we all are going to die, and it doesn't matter how much money you have, you're all going to the grave. Again, not a summer ditty that makes you happy when the sun is shining. As I was reading through this, it reminded me of uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah. Every one of us has sinned against God. Despite what's going on with us in our personal finances, there's a spiritual sense in which we all owe God because of our sin debt, right? And the wages of our sin is death. The thing that we have earned is death. And so when this psalmist is saying, look, no one can truly ransom another or give to God the price of his life. No one can no one can earn enough money that they could pay God off. Everybody's going to the grave. And when I say that, you go, of course. Of course, of course, no one could pay God off. How much money would it take? Billions of dollars? Trillions of dollars? Quintillions of dollars? That's the thing, right? Pretty sure they're going to come up with it pretty soon anyway. More money than all the world has? If you took all of the money in all the world and you gave it to God to ransom for your life, would that pay for anything? God would go... What use have I for this? You sinned against me, the eternal, holy God. 
you can't pay that back. We might try and pay for it in different ways. Okay, God, I know I did something wrong, but what if I'm very nice to other people? You offended the eternal holy God. Is it really going to help to just be nice to other people? You should be nice to people anyway. We don't give extra credit for that. We don't even give credit for that. That's a general expectation. You should love one another. It's like the number two commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. The number one commandment being, love the Lord your God and Him only. And so if at some point you were not loving the Lord your God and Him only, that was sin. For which we have our lives and we can never ransom it back. And so this is what he's thinking about. When he asks the question, why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. The next thought he has is, you know, even if it gets so bad I can't ransom myself to this other person, I also can't ransom myself to God. So, which seems to me to have made the problem worse rather than better. Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice, that he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations. Though they called lands by their own names, man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. Selah. Stop and think about that. Selah. For he sees that even the wise die. And the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, even if they call lands by their own names. Have you seen this before? People go, they, they start to get toward the end of the life, their life and they have acquired for themselves wealth and influence and now they're going, but I'm still going to die. I have acquired all of these things. I have done all that I hoped to do. Everything that my neighbor had that I wanted, I have also acquired. I have even given myself a name. I have a reputation. I have influence in this community. And I recognize that even so, I'm going to die. What am I going to do about that? I know I will leave a legacy. So that even after my death, I will have given money here and they will put my name on a plaque. They'll name the street after me and the hospital after me so that everyone who knows, everyone who comes here will know I was here and I did this. And I will leave legacy. And he says, the wise and the fool and the stupid, they all alike 
perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations. And though they call lands by their own names, the man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. There are, there are those who um, are afraid of people who have a lot of wealth and influence because of what they might do, how they might take advantage of me. Wealthy people are always taking advantage of poor people. And so they're afraid of those. There are others who admire them and look up to them because those people, they seem to have gotten it right. They have seemed to be doing something right and be very successful and influential and have a great name and they seem to have all the wealth. And so if I could just do like they do. Some are afraid. Others look up to them. And yet the psalmist is saying, even the person who has all of that is going to die. And all of the wealth is going to go to someone else. We all have this same thing. But we still are thinking about it in those terms. Even music is thinking about these things. If I just had what I wish I had. So that back in the 1990s, there's a band, BNL, they had this song, If I Had a Million Dollars. Fun little song. If I Had a Million Dollars. All of the things I would do if I had a million dollars. Less than 20 years later, Bruno Mars comes out with a song. If I Were a Billionaire. 1,000 times more money from a million dollars to a billion dollars. A thousand times more money in less than 20 years is what it takes to go, that would be enough. That would be enough. And the psalmist is saying, I've been thinking about it. In your pomp, in your arrogance, in your boastfulness, you might think, you know, if I was a millionaire, if I was a billionaire, if I was a trillionaire, if I was a quintillionaire, we're going to own it, quintillionaire, that would be enough money. And he's going, no. The end is the grave every single time. It doesn't matter how much money you had. It doesn't matter how much influence you had. It doesn't matter if you left yourself a legacy. Every single time, your end is the grave. Jesus was thinking about these same kinds of things when he was talking with the Pharisees. In Luke chapter 16, verse 14, it says, The Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And then he goes on after that to tell them this story. 
And so I'm going to tell you a story. There's a man named Lazarus. Very poor man. His clothes were ragged and he sat at the gate to a wealthy man's home. And uh, his, his clothes were, were ragged and he had these sores on him that, that he couldn't take care of. And things got so bad that even the street dogs, as they, they would come by, they would stop and they would lick his sores. And he would sit by this rich man's gate and he would look in and, and he would go, if only I could have just the crumbs that fell off the table, the scraps that got left over. The reason that the dogs are here is because they are going to pick up the scraps if, if I could just have those same scraps as the dogs. Because he was in so much need. And that wealthy man would, would come in through the gate and pass Lazarus every day. And he would go inside... And inside, it was a beautiful home. Big table. Spread with food. Of the best kinds. And that man would sit there, having his food prepared for him, and he would drink the best wine, and he would have the best foods. I mean, he was a foodie before foodies were foodies. And he was enjoying his life, and he didn't think twice about Lazarus. Well, after some time, Lazarus dies, and the rich man also dies. Because the way of both the rich and the poor alike is the grave. And when the rich man died, put in the grave, and in Hades, he uh, finds himself in torment and looks across this chasm. And on the other side of the chasm, he sees Abraham and Lazarus. And he says, Father Abraham, would you, would you have Lazarus just dip his finger in some water and, and put a drop on my tongue? Because it is so hot here. And Abraham says, no, look, there's this chasm between us. No one can go from there to here and no one can go from here to there. Look, in, in your lifetime, you had all of the blessings that you thought were sufficient. You enjoyed to the fullest that life. And Lazarus had nothing. But now in this eternity, those things are reversed. Lazarus is blessed. And there you are over there. Jesus tells this parable to help these Pharisees and others who are the lovers of money, who are very concerned about their finances. To give them a perspective that goes beyond the grave. It's the same perspective that the psalmist has. There's something about death that changes our perspective on things. That when we get to death's door or we have someone close to us die or we're thinking about 
things in light of death, it changes our perspective on things. And so what the psalmist has done as he's singing this song, strumming his lyre and, and singing, he's saying, you know, I've been thinking about this and I've been asking myself the question, why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? And I've been saying to myself, you know, for in light of death, in light of the grave, we're all headed to the same place. It, like sheep, it says in verse 14, like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for He will receive me. Selah. Now think about that. He's been thinking about his troubles and then he's been thinking about the context that he finds himself in that everybody is going to end up in the grave and no one can pay to get themselves out of the grave. But he thinks about this and he goes, but, but my God will ransom me. It doesn't matter how much money I have or what I've done or anything. I believe, I trust that my God will ransom me from the grave and I won't eternally be there. Which is a long distance hope. Have you been walked through um, difficult seasons in your life? My, my wife and I, um, we remind each other regularly, this is a season. This is a season. We just did a couple of, of baby dedications this morning. Um, sleepless nights are a season. Okay? I, I just want to reassure you of that. They are a season. It feels like eternity. Because no sleep is very difficult. And it can last a long time. It, they can be long seasons. That's my encouragement to you. <laughs> The seasons can sometimes be long and reoccurring if you're not careful. But they're a season. And at some point, you find yourself at the end of that season and go, we made it through. That wasn't eternity. We have made it through into the next season, whatever that may be. But he's saying, this is a long distance hope. This is long as even if this lasts all the way until I die, even if my suffering and these unjust people against me hold it over to me all the way until I die, my hope is that my God will redeem me from the grave. That's not going to be my end. I'm not going to go down into the grave in debt and shame. I'm going to be raised up into glorious eternity with my God forever because I believe that my God, while no one can ransom my life from the grave, my God can. My God can. And will. And when we start putting the, our challenges, our troubles, into the context of eternity, suddenly we go, you know what? I can last through this season. I can last through sleepless nights. I can last through some hungry days. I can last through some shame, some ridicule, some attacks, some challenges, financial loss, uncertainty. 
I can last through those things because I have a hope that my God is going to redeem me from the grave and for all of eternity, I will be blessed with Him. What a great and glorious hope that is. Jesus says again in uh, Matthew chapter 16, it says, Jesus told His disciples, if anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. This is what's going to happen. Jesus is going to return and He will repay everyone for what they have done. He will uh, repay the wicked for their wickedness and He will repay the righteous for their righteousness. And for those who are wicked but claim His death and resurrection on the cross, they receive the reward of the righteous. Because Jesus Himself was righteous. And so through faith, we believe that Jesus will raise us up into a glorious life that goes on for eternity after the grave. What a great hope is that. There was a a preview of this in, in Daniel. Daniel the prophet, before the time of Jesus, was talking about this and he says, Many who of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to an everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. What a great hope. What a great way of putting that. You see, there are some who in their pomp and in their arrogance think that they have already arrived and they haven't yet. They haven't yet. There's going to be justice for those who have accumulated wealth and influence and have used it for their own advantage, taking advantage of others. There, there is um, going to be restitution there. So he says in verse 16 of, of uh, Psalm 49, Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after Him. For though while He lives, He counts Himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, His soul will go to the generation of His fathers who will never see light again. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. He has two answers, a twofold answer For his question. His question, I'll remind you, was why should I fear in times of trouble when those, uh, when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Why should I fear in those times? His two answers are one, eternally, God will ransom my soul from the power of the grave, in verse 15. God will receive me. And then in verse 16, and those whose wickedness surrounds me, be not afraid when that man becomes rich when the glory of His house increases. For when He dies, He will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after Him. 
When we look around and we see the wickedness of those influential wealthy people that we look at at in the news sometimes and we look at the stuff that's happening, whether in this country or in other countries around the world or throughout history, and we say, how could this happen? Eternally, it won't be that way. It's a short season. And once they hit the grave... All of that wealth and influence is gone. And the judgment is all that remains. There will be justice on a grand scale. And there is hope for you because we have a great Savior who ransoms us, redeems us from the grave. Verse 18 For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. And I love this aside. And though you get praise when you do well for yourselves. I didn't see that coming at first. At first, we were the ones, right? We're identifying with the psalmist in this time of trouble where the iniquity of those who do have money is overwhelming and surrounding us. And then right at the very end of this psalm, he twists it and flips it on us and goes, and you too. Watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. When you do well, when you do well, watch yourself. Do not put your hope and your trust in those riches. Do not take advantage of the poor. Even though you may get praise when you do well for yourself. The grave is to come and those who are in their pomp yet without understanding will be like the beasts that perish. Don't be like them. But rather, put your faith and hope, whether you have a lot of resources and assets or very few, either way, and your trust in the Lord and what will happen after the grave for all of eternity. For God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for He will receive me. Let's pray. Lord God, would you help us to maintain an eternal perspective? Would you help us to maintain an eternal perspective when the bills come in? Would you help us to maintain an eternal perspective when we don't get the raise that we thought we were going to get? Would you help us to maintain an eternal perspective when we lose the job we expected to keep? Or when rumors of layoffs come through? Or when expenses go up and income doesn't? Father, would you help us to keep an eternal perspective? That we might have a hope beyond the grave. A hope that is not contingent on circumstances of today. Father, I pray for those here this morning who are struggling and overwhelmed right now. That you would provide for them not only eternally, but here as well. I pray that as they put their hope and their trust in you, as they cry out to you, that you would care for them. 
Father, I pray that you would make us your people to be generous people. That our perspective would be an eternal one and so we would use the resources that you have provided for us, the blessings that you have provided for us to be a blessing to others. And Father, we pray for these things so that Jesus' name might be glorified, so that more and more people will have the same hope that we have, that we will be received by an eternal God and in His presence forevermore. It is in Jesus' name that we ask for these things and to your name that we attribute our praises. Amen.